Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Got your Bibles. We're going to be in the book of First Thessalonians. I'm taking it to the New Testament today. <laughs> Just for this morning. We're going to go somewhere else tonight. <clears throat> but this morning, the book of First Thessalonians, chapter number five. I just got one verse that I'm going to read to us. First Thessalonians chapter number five, verse number six. I love my family this morning. Heather, I love you. Where's Jojo at? I love you, Jojo. I love you, baby doll. I love my wife so much. I'm not one of those, and I've been ridiculed for it. I'm not one of those hard preachers that has no emotions. I'm a very emotional preacher, so... uh, But I'm thankful the Lord, as he was getting everything together, bringing me into this world, knowing where my life was going to end up, the story that was being written, that he he had already placed in that story for me to meet such a wonderful woman and to have two beautiful children and for us to do what we do and to love what we do. I'm thankful the sacrifices they give. Everybody... I got to get to preaching. Everybody's got this idea, I guess, that evangelists, we're just on vacation all the time. And you can, if you want to, you can think that. That's, that's all right. You, you, you do you, bro. But I'm going to tell you right now the sacrifices that I know my family gives. And we love every minute of it. We don't regret not one sacrifice we give because when we come to churches like this, I get to see God work through you and for you and bless you and save you and heal you. And that's enough for us to lay our head down at night and say, let's do it again tomorrow. Let's do it again tomorrow. So thankful for MPC. First Thessalonians chapter number five, verse number six. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others but let us watch and be sober therefore let us not sleep as do others but let us watch and be sober I'd like to preach to you this morning from this question this question that I feel in the Holy Ghost today who will wake the others who will wake the others. Can we close our Bibles and let's lift our hands to the Lord and pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful, Lord. So thankful for your word. Thankful, Lord, for the wonderful spirit that I feel in the house right now. 
I believe, Lord Jesus, that something can happen today. Something can happen this morning that can alter and shape the future of Medora Pentecostal Church. Lord, I pray that you would hold every heart and every mind today in your hands, that you would speak a word into us today, God, that you would encourage us, Lord Jesus, to move forward, Lord, to be watchful and to be sober and to be vigilant, Lord Jesus, in this hour, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can we clap our hands together? Let's worship him one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are so good, Lord. You are so worthy, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated today. The presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. As me and the family have traveled these last three and a half years, roughly, um, and even before this, even before evangelizing, uh, my wife, I believe, is third generation apostolic, uh, maybe four generations, and I'm third generation myself. Uh, so we've been in this for a little while. We've we've been in this for a minute, and uh, before evangelizing, I was I got around a little bit. I I was sheltered as a child. Lord have mercy. Uh, before I met my wife, I had never been out of the state of Tennessee. That's sad. I didn't even know anything existed except Tennessee. Um, and then I came to Indiana. Everybody says this is God's country. But then I go to Louisiana, and they say, this town here is God's country. I go out west. Well, this is God's country. <clears throat> so whatever Indiana is, you do you. <laughs> but uh, we, we've been around the block quite a bit. We've been a lot of places, a lot of churches, and... Um, one thing that I have, I have been afraid of that I, I'd had elders talk to me about I've, uh, as we've been in a lot of different churches, a lot of different circles, um, and something that the Word of God warns us of is that we may have, the, the, the danger is that we may have reached a generation that is able to operate and able to function in a church, in a church setting, that we are able to do what is required of us to do as a church and learned how to sleep in the process. That we've learned how to be active as a church, as a whole, and yet be able to still slumber. Um, my fear has, has increased over the years as some of the messages that I've preached in the time that we've been here, that we've learned how to go through all of the mechanics, all of the performance, all of, all of what we believe is required to say that we've had church and yet there be no spiritual activity. There be nothing stirring in our spirits. Everything we do can be done without God. Everything that we do sometimes in, in church, especially, I remember hearing a testimony from Brother Luke St. Clair. Um, he was talking about a service that he was in up in Anderson. He stood and he watched, and it was one of those throw-down Holy Ghost rumbles in the church. People losing their ever-loving mind, running the aisles, people that never move, moving, running. And him standing up on the stage and, and, and looking out at the people, looking out at what God was doing, and him praying and said, Lord, we literally could just lift off of this world right now into heaven. 
What better thing is there? What more is there than this right here? This is the most powerful move that I've ever seen happen in this church. What more is there that we can do? And the Lord spoke to him and said, 99% of everything happening in this room can be done without me. Is it possible that the church as a whole of 2023, that we have learned to be awake and to slumber at the same time? Paul wrote in the book of Romans chapter number 13, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I don't know for certain. I've said it multiple times. I know some things have been repetitive in this revival, but I have a burden, a, a, a burden in my spirit, an urgency in my spirit. I don't know the day. I don't know the hour, but I'm telling us today, and I believe some of you feel my burden that I have felt this whole revival. We are drawing so close to the end of this thing. Every day that passes, we are getting so much closer to the Lord return and my fear that I've had for individuals and for my family and, and our churches that we visit is that what, what if that day finally comes and the Lord splits the sky and we have been sleeping too long? that the Lord splits the sky and begins to look out for his bride because I'm gonna tell you with every bit of this transgender mess and the gender fluidity in this culture right now, it's not gonna take the Lord an hour or two to pick out which one is his actual bride. He's going to step out of glory. He's going to look down and know exactly which one he's coming back after. And it's gonna be the bride that has made herself ready. It's going to be the bride that was awake and watching watching and sober and vigilant. It's going to be the bride that did not get comfortable and slumbered in a season when we should have been moving and we should have been praying and we should have been digging deeper into the presence of God. I should have been falling deeper in love with you, Lord. But I got to the place, God, all the, all the, the music, everything got so good. The church finally reached the place where we have wanted it to be for so long. We've worked so hard to get things exactly like we wanted them to. And our, our mindset, our mentality is that once we reach that pinnacle in the church, can, can I bring it home to MPC this morning? Once we have remodeled, once everything is done, once all of the wall is up and all the lights are up and we've got all the sound equipment exactly like we want it and the musicians are just in line perfect and, and we've got the schedule of service is just right. We've got everything lined up so great, God. That would not, that would be the worst time for us to sit back and to just ride it and to enjoy what God has given. That's the moment that we should be awake even more. That I should wake up in my spirit, give God praise for what He has done and the setting He has given us, but then say, Lord, let's go to the next level. It's time to go a little bit further. It's time to push a little bit harder, Lord, because I've got to stay awake. I've got to stay awake. God, don't let me fall asleep in this hour. Don't let me get so complacent. Don't let me get so, so caught up in the comfort of Pentecost that I fall asleep in the worst time that there is to fall asleep. 
knowing the time now it is high time to wake out of sleep for now is is our salvation nearer than when we believe the night is far spent the day is at hand let us therefore cast off the works of darkness let us put on the armor of light let us walk honestly as in the day not in rioting not in drunkenness not in chambering and wantonness not in strife and envying but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof I don't know about you, but when we're in the camper and the girls have gone to sleep and the wife has gone to the bedroom to go to sleep and I'm up in the living room and I'm reading or studying or praying. Anybody ever fall asleep in the middle of praying? Don't nobody do that. We're all spiritual here. Don't nobody do that. Anybody ever fall asleep while you were reading the word? We don't do that. Those are the charismatics. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> but I, I, my wife, multiple times when I have fallen asleep on the couch, y'all, there's times, some, some of us have got couches we don't like sleeping on. Some of us have got couches we really like sleeping on. And some of us men have had to get to the point where we like sleeping on that couch. <clears throat> but just so happens the couch at our camper is comfy. <laughs> And falling asleep, you get to that point where you're just, man, you're just comfy. You, you, are, you are set. The reason why you fell asleep wasn't necessarily just because you were tired, but you hit that perfect spot. And you're just like, oh. And you just cuddle up and just go to sleep. And the largest part of me wants to go get in the bed. I want to go and lay down in my bed, in my spot, my comfy spot. I want to fold my pillow over and I want to go to sleep right there. That's it. And I want to sleep the whole night right there. But when my wife comes in there to wake me up, <laughs> she comes in there, she's so gentle, she's so, she's so loving with it. She don't come in there and smack me in the face, nothing like that. She just, she comes in there and she just, she kind of shakes me a little bit and she says, hey, Hey, honey, go get in the bed. It's time to go to sleep. Go get in the bed. And I, I immediately opened my eyes. Woman, don't wake me up if I'm sleeping. Go get in the bed and leave me alone. That frustration that we feel because we've gotten to that, that, that perfect spot. We've reached that perfect place of comfort where we just slip into a slumber. And the, the, the aggravation, the, the discomfort, the inconvenience that comes when, with somebody coming to wake us up and to tell us, hey, you need to wake up, and we get frustrated. We, we don't like it. I don't, I don't like somebody waking me up out of a deep slumber. I don't, I don't want somebody getting all up in my bubble. I don't want my kids, when I've fallen asleep, to take a nap. I don't want them coming up to me, Daddy, can I have gummies? Can I have gummies, Daddy, please? Can I have gummies? Go to your mama. I'm asleep. Don't wake me up. And, and I, I have this feeling that, that maybe, just maybe, the church, unfortunately, in some places has reached that place where we have slumbered ourselves into such a spiritual sleep. 
that the Lord right now is trying to shake the church. He's trying to awaken the church. He's trying to tell us that now is the time to wake up. Now is the time to be active. Now is the time to work in my kingdom. Now is the time to be a disciple. Now's the time to preach the word. Now's the time to be a missionary. Now's the time to get to work. You gotta wake up. You gotta get up now because I'm coming back. I'm coming back and you gotta wake up now. And where that 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 frustration comes in is when, when we're sitting in church and the Lord's trying to stir us up and he's trying to wake us up and we resist it. We push back against it. Lord, why can't you do this at another church down the road? Why can't you wait until we're all in better moods? Why can't you wait until we don't have all this going on? Why, why can't you wait until everybody's here like they're supposed to be? Let us have a break. A little sleep, a little folding of the hands to sleep. I read a story. Most of us here know in the book of Mark, chapter number 14, the Lord's Supper has ended. Jesus is leading the disciples to the garden. And he reaches a certain point with all of the disciples. And he looks at them and says, I, I, want, I, want, I want all of you guys to stay right here, save Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John have got a higher calling. They've got a greater anointing. It doesn't mean that they're better than the other disciples. It doesn't mean that they should gloat. It doesn't mean that they should, they should flaunt that pride around thinking that they're better than them. But what Jesus said is, I, I want all of you guys to stay, but Peter, James, and John, there, there's, there's somewhere higher that I'm wanting to take you, and I need you to follow me closer than everybody else. I, 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 need, I need you to step out from, from everybody else and, and the, the mentality of everybody else and how easy everybody else's relationship may be with me. And I need you to step into some things that, that may cost you a little more. It's gonna be a little more inconvenient. It's gonna be a little more prayer. It's gonna cost you a little bit more attention to me. And, and, and I'm gonna bring you a little bit further up into the garden. And Jesus brings them to that certain place and he begins, he told them, he, say, my, he says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. In verse 35, he went forward a little, fell on the ground, prayed. If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. He cometh and findeth them sleeping. And he says unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready. What I said last night, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. As Jesus is in this garden, he, he, is, he is in pain. He is in agony, God. Father, he ain't talking to the, to, to the second person in the Trinity, okay? That's not how the first person and him being the second person. He's speaking to the deity on the inside of him. Father, please take this cup from me. Lord, but God, Father, according to thy will, I'll do what you ask of me. But Lord, Father, before we go forward with this, I want to go back to the disciples 
I want to go back to my church and I want to see how eager they are. I want to see how determined they are because I told them to pray. I told them to watch. I told them to be ready for the next step. And as Jesus walks away from that prayer of agony and the blood, as, as, as sweat drops as of blood, he comes to look for his church and to see his hopes are, I'm gonna find them ready. I'm gonna find them excited. I'm gonna find them at a, at a, a place in their, their walk with me that they've never been before. I'm gonna find them with an anticipation of something that's coming. I'm gonna find them on their knees crying out for the Lord to do a work. And instead, he walks over and he finds those sleeping. Peter, can you not watch one hour? For some reason, for some reason, I cannot wrap my mind around it. Out of all the times in Jesus' ministry where they could have picked a time to take a nap. When Jesus was up there preaching Beatitudes, man, I'm a little tired Y'all take notes. I'm going to go close my eyes for a minute. <laughs> but they, they, they waited until the most important moment of Jesus' prayer to decide this, this is the perfect time for me to close my eyes. This is the perfect time for me to take a nap. I'm afraid that's where a lot of the church has gotten today. That right now, right now, right now where we are as the church, that we've decided because the Lord has delayed his coming for so long. Generations have said, be prepared. Thy salvation is near. The Lord's coming back. They've preached it, they've preached it, they've preached it. The reason most of our pews are empty is because generations where that was preached, it never happened and people got impatient and they decided, well, apparently he don't want to come back for us, so I'm just going to go do my own thing out here. I'm going to go live my own life out here. That's been preached all that time. It's that same mentality of the disciples that fell asleep where we get to the most important moment the church has ever been in and we decide now, right now is the most appropriate time to relax. Right now is the most appropriate time for us to just enjoy our Pentecost. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for what we have. But Jesus, as he came to the disciples, he turns around and he goes back to pray again. And they didn't get it. They, didn't, they, 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 never, they never understood what he was saying apparently because he comes back again. And when he returned in verse 40, he found them asleep again. And in parentheses right here, it says, for their eyes were heavy. Their vision, literally that phrase translates to their vision was oppressed. Their vision became weighed down. If we've ever needed to tap into a vision of what God wants to see the church accomplish and what the bride still has yet to prepare. We gotta tap into the vision now. Here, here's, here's the thing, your pastor, 
Your pastor, I, I've sat down with him a couple of meals and I've gleaned from him. I've talked to him. Your pastor has a vision for this church. Your pastor has a vision for the future of this church. Your pastor has a vision for this city. And what it's going to take is a church that backs that man of God's vision and says, Lord, I want to tap into what you're showing him needs to happen in this church. I want to tap into what you're showing that man of God needs to happen in this city. God, help me. Help me to tap in. To the, don't let my vision be weighed down because of the distractions and because of the hindrances and because of busyness of life. Don't let my vision be weighed down to where when I do get to the church, I'm so tired because I gave all of my energy to everything else all week long that when I finally do get to the church, I'm so tired that I physically go to sleep, but I'm also spiritually asleep. God, help me not to reach that point. I had a friend of mine, I got to move along, Lord Jesus. I had a friend of mine that works the gas company in Cookville, Tennessee. And he, he got down in a hole in a certain community. He was there for about two weeks. And he was down in that hole and he was digging, he was working. And every day at the exact same time, every day he'd look at his watch. I ain't wearing a watch, I'm acting like I got one. It's a hair past a freckle. He would look at his watch and every day at the exact same time there was a dog that would come walking around the fence line of that community. The exact same time there was a path laid. Y'all ever seen dog paths? Y'all know what I'm talking about. That dog walks that same path every day. And finally he, he looked up one day and saw the owner walking with the dog and he jumped out of the hole and, and walked over to the owner and just kind of small talked with him, cutting up with him. And, and finally he was like, man, I... Is this your dog? He's like, yeah, that's my dog. Like, every day, I've, I've looked at my watch just to check. It's the exact same time every day this dog comes walking through here. He really knows his way around this place. He really knows where he's going. A to B, he, he got it. And the owner said, yeah, you know, he is a good dog, and he, he knows his way around pretty good, especially for a blind dog. And when my friend told me that, the Lord... There was a quickening in my spirit. Routine and repetition do not require vision. Routine and repetition doing the same things over and over and over and over and over every Sunday, every Wednesday, every revival, every conference, every NYC, every GMC, every NAYC, every peak, every summit, every service that we come into doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again do not require a vision. But my God, in this hour right now, we need a church that will tap into a vision that will launch us into the next realm, into the next dimension of Pentecost. God, help us not to get so routined in Pentecost that we no longer look for a vision because where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Their eyes were heavy. Their vision was weighed down. It was oppressed, and they wist not what to tell Jesus. Jesus saw that their eyes were heavy, and they knew that he saw that their eyes were heavy, and they did not have an excuse. What's my excuse going to be? Lord, you, 
You just don't understand. You just don't know. You, you can't possibly comprehend what I'm going through and the battles that I'm going through and, and the struggles that I'm dealing with. You, you can't possibly understand it. You're up on your throne, Lord. There's no way. Lord, there's a reason why I was sleeping. I was so tired from warfare and from fighting and from sickness in my body. And, and I was so worn down from spiritual oppression, God. That, I, I, that's why I was sleeping, Lord. That's why I was asleep. I didn't ask you why you were asleep. My question was, why could you not watch for one hour? Why could you not be alert, God? Why could you not be sober and vigilant for one hour? In the most important hour of my ministry, as I'm in the garden praying for the Lord to take the cup from me, I needed you to be alert to the hour. I needed you to be alert to what was going on because that moment could have changed everything. But you were sleeping. Let's say today, I'm going I'm to get to moving pretty quick in this now. Let's say today that we're all awake. We're all awake. We're sitting in here. Some of us may have woken up this morning and we were excited to get to church. Some of us, and I've been in all three of these right here, all right? Some of us woke up and we were sluggish. It's like putting that jacket on got a little bit slower. <laughs> putting them shoes on, you're just kind of stumbling trying to put your shoe on. I quit tying shoes. I got a belly now. <laughs> Slip on, man. <laughs> Slip on. And some of us woke up and we were excited for church, but we were really excited about what food we were going to have after church. Hallelujah. But let's say that we're all spiritually awake and we're in tune. Everybody in here. Everybody in here is on that, that next level with God. Like, I'm not talking about audible voices because when you start preaching about audible voices, people get real touchy. I'm talking about the Lord talks to you. He, he communicates with you. you. You've got a prayer life. You're studying the word of God every day. Let's say that we're all there. All right? Everybody's there, right? We're all there. Okay. Just making sure. My fear is that we reach the place where we have become so good at saving, keeping ourselves saved that we're no longer concerned with others being saved. There's some, there's some times in my life, I will be honest with you, it took Sunday to Wednesday keeping me saved. I'd go to church on Sunday, I'd pray through. Monday, I was messed up again. Tuesday, I was even more messed up. Wednesday, I, I told the Lord Wednesday morning, waking up, God, I'm gonna go back to the church and I'm gonna get it right tonight, God. I'm gonna get it right, Lord. I pray through Wednesday night. Thursday, I wake up, messed up again. At some point, I have got to mature in the spirit to where I'm not trying to keep myself saved from Sunday to Wednesday to Sunday to Tuesday, Sunday to Tuesday, Sunday to Tuesday. I've got to reach the place where I'm dedicated. I've told the Lord, I've made the commitment, God, I'm gonna work on me. I'm gonna deal with that flesh, Lord. I'm gonna have a prayer life. I'm gonna fast. I'm gonna dig into the word. I'm gonna take care of me. You should not have to save me every time I come to church. I have to die daily. I need to ask God to forgive me. I need to repent every day. But, but Lord, have mercy. If I've been serving God for 10 years, God forbid every service I come to, I'm having to re-save myself over again. 
And how much worse is it for those of us that, that we don't struggle with that, but we, we come in and we celebrate the fact that we're saved every service. We come in and we worship. We've gotten really good at keeping ourselves saved, but we've got a world outside that door that needs to be woken up. We've got a world outside that door that needs to experience the grace that I got to have. They need to know the mercy that I got to have. They need to be awoken to truth. I am not okay. I am not okay with knowing that I'm saved and everybody else out there is condemned to hell. My grandfather, actually I'll say it like this, December the 6th, 1941. It was a Saturday. There was, there was an imminent threat against the United States that the Empire of Japan was going to strike somewhere. Primarily the, the Pacific coast was what was preparing for the attack. The United States began to ship ammo and weapons in large quantities down to the islands of Hawaii. Hawaii's closer to Japan. What amazed me, most people think that Pearl Harbor just kind of happened out of nowhere. But the reality is the military, the United States military in Hawaii prepared for an attack long before the attack happened. MG42s, 50 calibers, everything, all the ammo, all the rifles, the A1 Garands, everything was shipped down there to prepare them for whatever was about to happen. They set up the 50 calibers, the MG42s on the beach facing out into the Pacific in case of a empire of Japan pulling their submarines into the Bay Area and popping up and attacking from that point. They had the guns prepared. The, the military had been trained. They were awake. They were, they were vigilant. They were ready to fight. They were ready to do whatever it took. But the crazy thing was in history, up to that weekend, they had finally decided to tell all of the, the soldiers on a, a large scale to just go and enjoy the weekend. Go relax. Go have a good time. Some of the biographies that I read of uh, captains and lieutenants um, from that, that weekend, from that time, said that they were out shopping for Christmas presents for their families back in the, in the mainland because it was almost Christmas. What better time to relax than Christmas? Ain't nobody gonna do nothing on Christmas. There was partying going on, Christmas parties. They were at the bars. They were having a good time, relaxing, chilling. All the work we've put into preparing for this war, let's just let's have a good time. All of that was abruptly ended Sunday morning, December 7th, 1941 at about 7.55 a.m., the first attack took place from Japan's aircrafts. It was not on any of the ships in the bay. The first attacks took place in the airfields because Japan knew if we can cripple them at the airfield, they will not be able to fight us on the same level. So while they are sleeping... We're going to cripple their ability to fight us on the same level. They go in and they bomb the airfields, destroy the aircrafts. Any potential that the United States had of launching into the air and being able to fight them in the air with 
with them in the same place, destroyed it. It was crazy, some of the reports that I had read, uh, a large number of some of the, the privates and some of the soldiers woke up, they felt the earth trembling beneath their feet. They heard the booms of bombs going off and, and the gunfire raging. And they woke up and thought that it was just training. They woke up and they got dressed and the first thing on their mind was, I wonder if the mess hall is serving biscuits and gravy today. They got up while the attacks were happening, walking to the mess hall like it was any other day to go and get their meal. Until finally something, something triggered. Something, something was wrong. This, this isn't like it has been. The black smoke began to rise from the ships that were being bombed. The Arizona, the Tennessee, all, 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 of, all of the ships that were under attack. And the screams of people that were in pain. The burning, the gunfire. In the barracks. My grandfather was there at Pearl Harbor. My dad's dad. I never got to meet him. He passed away when my dad was about two or three years old. But so the story goes. My grandmother would sit down and tell me the story. My grandfather was in his barracks. And he, he played the Reveille in the morning. This is, this is his actual bugle. He played Reveille in the morning to wake the soldiers up to get them started for the day. To get them prepared. Wake up. It's time to wake up. Time to get ready. We've got drills. We've got things we've got to do. Him and a group of his, his peers ran out of the barracks, saw the black smoke rising, the planes flying around, knowing this is not us. This is not us. This, this, is, this is war. This is, a, this is an attack. And began to look around and some of his peers said, we got we to go wake the captain. We got to let the captain know that what's happening. We got to make sure he's alert and aware of what's happening. And so they take off running to go find the captain. And the remaining men standing there with my grandfather, the question came up, who will wake the others? Who will wake the others? And without hesitation, my grandfather grabbed his bugle he took off running into the barracks. He could not get out a polished sound. It was not a professional melody. It was not something that they were expecting to happen. But with all of the energy that he had, he blew the trumpet as loud as he could to let them know you have to get up now. You've got to wake up. This is not the time to sleep. This is not the time to slumber. We are under attack. And you've got to wake up now if you want to live if you don't want to die, you've got to wake up now. My grandfather and those men had that one moment of decision to decide. Now that I know what's happening, now that you're aware of what's happening in the spirit, now that you know the devil is raging and the spiritual warfare is at the highest peak it has ever been, do I simply go and take cover and save me my four and no more? Or do I grab my bugle and I go into that room and I wake up as many people as I can? And let them know Jesus is coming. God forbid that I'm selfish with my salvation. I thank God somebody gave it to me, but I just want to keep me and my family saved. 
Don't you know how busy I am? Don't you know how much stuff I got going on? I don't have the time to go wake somebody up. I don't have the time to go give a Bible study. I don't have time to tell somebody about Jesus. I would venture to say everybody in this house right now, when you sit down at the holiday table with your family, you've got family that are lost and that are dying. And and if you believe what you believe, if you really believe this apostolic doctrine, you know that they ain't gonna make it. That's harsh, Brother Brent. That's harsh. I, 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 I promise you, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm trying to be real right now. You know that because of the lifestyle that they live, the attitude they have, and the fact that they ain't living for God not one bit, you know where their soul is going to end up. How ashamed should I be to sit at that table and feel embarrassed to even speak the name of Jesus around them just because they don't want to hear it? If I really love them, if I really love them, I'm going to tell them where their soul is going. I'm going to tell them you got to wake up. You're asleep right now and you know, you know that your life ain't where it's supposed to be. I'm hitting the family right now. I'm going to get to the, the ones that we don't know here in a minute, the strangers. But, but, but how much more quickly we are to open Acts 2.38 to somebody we don't know and we're willing to let our family die lost. Oh, Lord, God, help me. (laughs) Or even worse, I I know that I'm Pentecostal, that I'm apostolic, and I love showing up to the family get-togethers, dressed Pentecostal, dressed apostolic, just to flaunt it in their face that my life is better than theirs. The souls that we encounter every day Some of them have no idea what we believe. They have no no idea what we believe. The greatest fulfillment of being apostolic. We got Acts 2.38. We quote it. We preach it. we, We use it as our standard, as our banner to fly around this world and say this is who we are. But we forget about the scriptures that follow that about how the church added daily such as should be saved. You will be endued with power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be witnesses. I made a declaration the other day in prayer. I said, God, help me, Lord, not to leave this life and not have one, one soul. Is that hard? Is that difficult? I'm talking to myself right now. I, I'm, I'm, y'all just ignore everything I'm saying if it's, if it's not hitting you and if you don't feel convicted. Lord, forgive me if I leave this life and I celebrated my own personal Pentecost so much, but I never want a soul. Because if I don't, I've never experienced the fullness of Pentecost. I've never experienced the most fulfilling part of it, that it saves you. And that you then get to use it and watch somebody else be saved. Watch somebody else be pulled out of the grasp of hell. Watch somebody else go from being homeless and broken and a drug addict on the street to moving up and promoting in the kingdom to being an evangelist and a missionary. How scared I am. Somebody wants to come back to 
the piano this morning. How scared I am to speak the words, to say the name. Here's, here's, here's a, this is a, a very simple, practical thing here. Going along with what I'm talking about right now. If every person in this room, everyone that has repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, living a sanctified life, if everyone in this room was to go after one soul this next year, 365 days, and you were to purpose in your heart, I'm going to set them down and I'm going to disciple them. I don't want to just tell them about Jesus' name. I don't want to just tell them to go through those steps. I've seen too many people go through the steps of Acts 2.38 and backslide and never come back into the church. But I have seen souls that got down and were discipled all the way back to the beginning of the book of Genesis about creation and explaining to them about what we believe and why we believe it. What that does is that, that sucks them in to, to, to a relationship with God that they never walk away from. They never walk away from it because they learn it for themselves. They go through the steps themselves. If everybody in this room was to go after one soul for the next 365 days, you would instantly see this church double. It's so simple. We want to fill every pew in the church. We say it all the time. Lord, I'm tired of seeing empty pews. I am. I'll be honest with you. I'm tired. Some of the churches that we go back to and preach at multiple times and the same empty pews are sitting there after we've been gone for six months. Every bit of what I've preached apparently might not be doing any good because nobody's making any effort. Nobody's sitting down and trying to win somebody. Nobody's going out and, and, and giving their testimony to the lost. We just keep celebrating our own Pentecost. Whoa, yes. But there are souls that we are passing every day that are in the clutches of hell right now. Am I okay with just letting them go to hell? God, forgive. I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm upsetting somebody. I feel that, that offense is setting in. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to wake us up. I'm thankful that you're here, but who will wake the others? Who's going to wake up the alcoholic? Who's going to wake up the suicidal teenager? Who's going to wake up the atheist? Lord, I want to see the empty pews filled. God, fill them up. But then I look to my neighbor to the left and to the right, expecting them to be the one to do it. I want to see these pews filled. Pastor Gill, do your job. I want to see every one of these pews with a fresh soul in it. Worship team, you better step your game up because if you mess up, we ain't going to fill them. 
if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, if, you, if you've sat under the teaching of this man and sat under the teaching of your pastor, you've got every bit of what you need to sit down and to invite somebody to the house of God, to pray with them, to be engaged with them. I'm not talking about just telling them to come to church and that's the last time you talk to them. I'm talking about getting personal with them. I'm talking about when you want to do the Bible study, you find out when can I come to your home? When can I come and set the chart up and let's talk about the goodness of God? Oh, Brother Brent, you're taking it too far. We got work, we got this, we got that, we got kids, we got that, we got this. One soul. I'm... I told somebody the other day, we were talking and they was like, man, we had one Bible study going and then we had somebody else that, that we, 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 we started communicating with. We got a Bible study going there and then we started looking. We got, went and knocked on doors and got two more Bible studies. And I was like, bro, somewhere in that mix, you're gonna lose one. You need to get one on your mind and you need to go all the way through with that one and then God will give you another one. You've got to dig deep. You've got to dig into that one that God has given you. Somebody in this room, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. You've got a family member right now, right now waiting on you to just text them and tell them that Jesus loves them. You've got a family member right now waiting on you to text them a scripture. But I don't want to do that. That's uncomfortable. I don't want them to text back and to, to be like, oh, man, I don't want to hear none of that. If you love them, you will. If I love my brother, I don't know if he's going to watch this later or not. I found out the other day that my, my lost brother, my brother that hated me as a kid, apparently has been jumping online and watching his little brother preach. My lost brother had an anointing on his life. At 18 years old, he said, I'm done with this. I'm so tired of this, these rules and regulations. I'm going to go do my own thing. I ain't stepping foot back in the church and he's kept his promise. I'm not okay with letting him die just so that I can keep celebrating the fact that I'm an evangelist and I'm a preacher and that I got the Holy Ghost and I've got a wife and two beautiful children. God, help me to have that awkward conversation with him. Give me a door of opportunity, God, for one soul. Because while we're all awake and while we're all having good church, who will wake the others? We've got countries all across this world that need somebody to step into that jungle, somebody to step into that third world nation with a bugle in their hand. It says, I'm not satisfied with just me being saved. I'm gonna save as many as I can. I'm gonna wake up as many souls as I can to the hour that we're living in. I told some young people, I'm gonna bring it even closer to home. We're getting ready to, to turn this, this service around. I told some young people the other day, I was talking with a group of them back home and This thought was where, where this was birthed out of because some of these young people got to talking about how they're pushing and they, they really, they really want to serve God. They really want to be, be God's choice vessel. They, they really want to be used by God. And I'm trying, 
See, there, there's a major difference in people that sin and are not trying and those that do sin and that are still trying. It's a huge difference. But these young people were talking about how their youth group, they were trying real hard and, and they've got peers around them, friends around them in the youth group that are worshiping in the altar with them and then they would leave service and one of their friends would show them a video that they came across and was laughing at it, talking about it. Right after they walked out of the church, pulling porn up on their phone, like it was okay. And I told that young man, I said, you know what you need to do? This generation right now is so caught up in reaching for this that ain't nobody reaching for this. Because this right here ain't gonna put you in the spotlight. This right here is not gonna get you a following. This right here is not going to be the one where everybody knows what you're doing and they're so proud of you for doing it. This right here is not gonna get you the, the fanciest post on Facebook. This right here is not gonna put you on a national stage. But without this right here, this right here has no meaning. I told that young man what you need to do is walk into that youth group. You need to grab a hold of your bugle. You need to blow it as loud as you can and let that young person know. Don't you know this ain't a time to be sleeping? Don't you know we ain't got time to be messing around with sin? Jesus is coming back. Yes, oh, we gotta wake up. I told a young lady that I was talking to in that same group, she said, Brother Brent, I've noticed, I've noticed some of my friends, my mama and my daddy tell me not to cut my hair and my pastor and my first lady talk about it being the glory and the power of God that's resting on us. I have angels with me because of the glory of uncut hair on me. And some of these girls are in the same teachings that I'm in and they're going out chopping their hair, cutting their hair off. I told that young lady, I said, you gotta grab that bugle and you got to blow it as loud as you can and let them know let them know you got to wake up now's not the time to backslide now's not the time to compromise if I was going to be bitter I should have been bitter 20 years ago because we're too close to the end now for me to lose out on my salvation because of bitterness You want to know the biggest struggle, though, is that some of us have been bitter for 20 years. I talked about it Sunday, this past Sunday night. I get so caught up in these fish over here that I can't progress in the dominion stages in my life. And when I'm so caught up with me, how am I ever going to be able to wake somebody else? Can we stand this morning? It would amaze you. It would amaze you in this city alone, right here in Medora. Some of us, if you're driving further than you don't live actually in Medora and you're on the outskirts or you're in another city driving in where you are, it would amaze you how many homes around you just need that one conversation to win them over because their life is so miserable right now.
I'll never understand why preaching a message like this is so hard. Because this should have been after we received the Holy Ghost. That was not the finish line. That was not where we sat down and we just got chill and relaxed until the Lord came back. When I got the Holy Ghost after being baptized and repenting of my sins was when I rolled my sleeves up and said, God, put me to work. Put me to work. I want to increase the population of the kingdom of God. I want to increase heaven and decrease hell. Hell has already had to enlarge its borders. You want to know why hell enlarged its borders? Is because hell has an appetite to never stop winning souls. Hell has a desire to never give up on that neighbor. But we do. I'm talking all over myself this morning. God. The scripture, I believe it's in Proverbs, it says that there are three things, yea, four, that are never satisfied. The very first one listed is hell. Then there's a barren womb, there's a parched ground, and then there's a fire. While we, while we are enjoying church, hell is winning souls every day. I believe this is what I felt as I was praying this morning. There's some of you in this church, you were not anointed to sing on a stage. You were not anointed to preach behind a pulpit. You were not anointed to be in the spotlight, period. But there is a special anointing on you. God wants to use you to open up your mouth and to win souls. Well, that's everybody. No, 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 no. I'm talking, I'm talking about specific ones that you, you have been given the anointing of the Holy Ghost that when you open your mouth, the words that come out grab the heart of that soul that you're trying to reach. It draws them into God. That takes a special anointing. Everybody in here can teach a Bible study. Everybody in here can sit down with somebody, open up the Word of God and begin. If we can't, we, we've done something wrong. If I, if I can't open the Word and begin to expound to them about why I believe what I believe, I've done something wrong. What time is it? I gotta stop. All right. See, the mentality that I grew up in, I'll just, I'll give this example and we're gonna open this altar up. The mentality that I grew up in, I grew up in a really small country church, not like Medora. I think the most that we ever run, ever in history, was 42, ever. And the mindset was, we're going to have explosive good church and God is going to send them. The Spirit's going to draw them. We don't have to knock on doors. We don't have to witness. We don't have to do Bible study. Bible study was not a phrase we used in my church growing up. My mama's going to watch this later and she's going to chew me out. 
It was that, it was that small town mentality that we had where we believed that God was going to send them in. The scripture says that the Spirit is going to draw. But what's it drawing them to? If they've never, if they've never encountered a piece of us, how are they going to know to come in? We would have knocked down, I mean, Brother David, it would get to the point, some of them older ladies I talked about last night, they'd grab a hold of themselves and they'd shake and scream. Holy Ghost just exploding in the service. In the background, my mama on the piano. Wait a minute, one more time. I think I'll say it again. I mean, just losing it, going crazy. And the expectation the whole time was we're going to have amazing church and then we're going to go home and get back to our slumber. And God will bring those souls in. Next Sunday when we show up, God will have told somebody in this community to come visit us. It's not how it works. That might work every now and then once every five years where somebody's driving by the church and they feel that, whoa, I need to go in there and see what's happening to MPC. I've passed this church all my life and I just felt something. We have to decide this right now. We're, we're, this generation, this, the apostolic church of 2023 is in the middle of that decision my grandfather was in. Do I go run and hide and find me a place to keep myself saved or do I risk my life to go and save somebody else? We have to decide that today. I feel the urgency in this. Some of it, I, I hope that you're taking this seriously right now. God wants to grow this church beyond what you can even imagine. Just let this set for a second. I feel the Holy Ghost setting in this room right now. I pray when this service is over that everybody, including myself in this room, will pull your cell phone out and we'll send a text message to one lost person in your contact list to tell them, I love you and Jesus loves you. I'd love to see you in church. I'd love to talk with you about the goodness of God. That's so complicated, Brother Brent. You can't ask that of me. How hard is that really? Oh God. Thank God for world missions across this world, but there's a mission right here. There is a mission right here. God. Lift your hands right now. The Lord is in this room. The Holy Ghost is in this room. Lord, give me an opportunity, Jesus, for one soul in the next year. Give me an opportunity, Lord, for one soul. 
That's all I need, God, is just one soul. That brother or that sister that's not serving God. That mama or that daddy that don't want to believe this. That child of mine, that rebellious child of mine that does not want to live this. That neighbor next to me that does not go to church anywhere. They stay at home every Sunday and every Wednesday. Lord, let me have a confidence and a boldness to step out and to tell them to wake them up, Lord, to this hour. To wake them up, Lord Jesus, to truth. Cool, that's it. I, I, I feel the Holy Ghost setting on some of you right now. God is putting it in you in this very service right now. He is putting that gift in you. I wish you would receive it right now. I wish you'd not push this back and resist it. I wish that you would receive it. I wish that you would be the one that says, God, if he ain't talking to anybody else, Lord, I want to be the one to win a soul. Lord, if, if nobody else receives this today, I want to be the one that wins a soul. I want to see my family go to heaven. I want to see my family around the throne. I want to see that lost man or that lost woman that I pass every day. I want to glance over in the kingdom of heaven and look to my left and to see that soul standing on the other side of the throne and know that I was the one that woke them up. Know that I was the one that played a part in them making it to heaven. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Keep praying right there in your seat. I'm going to open this altar up. The Lord's, the Lord's doing a work in the pew right now before you come up. The Lord's looking for some commitment from somebody. He's looking for somebody to commit to this. Don't do this to please me. Don't do this to please pastor. Don't do this to make Bishop happy. The Lord, the God of all creation, the King of Kings is setting back and wanting to know if you will commit. Commit to that one soul. Who will wake the others? War is raging in the spirit right now. The devil is trying to kill as many as he can. He is winning souls every day through drugs, through sexual sins, through alcohol. Why doesn't the church step up and say, you know what? If hell's winning souls, we're winning souls. If hell is winning, we're gonna win. Oh, let's find us a place if we can to pray. If you wanna come to the altar, if you wanna stay in your, in your seat, whatever you wanna do, I just, I feel like the Lord wants us to get down and to pray with him for a minute right now. Oh, Lord Jesus, the Lord wants us to get down and to talk to him. Oh. Jesus. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about 
our ministry. 